Sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It seems that time has run out. In fact, it's run out many times already. Time has run out many times for forecasts of climate apocalypse. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at this matter of the so-called climate apocalypse and uh, in many respects, it's related to a coronation. A coronation for Prince Charles III, now known as King Charles III, there in not-so-jolly-old England. The coronation of King Charles marks a significant moment in Britain's history. No previous constitutional monarch has expressed his political views so openly. The king's record setting 70 years as heir apparent to the British throne saw him define himself as a deeply committed environmentalist. In fact, as even the savior of the world. A statue actually was erected to him in South America, a winged Charles III, savior of the world. In a 2013 speech on protecting rainforests, the prince's rhetoric became distinctly unroyal, accusing those who questioned the need to act as belonging to what he called the Incorporated Society of Syndicated Skeptics and the International Association of Corporate Lobbyists. Unquote. Well, apparently... He was unaware that his own father then would meet the description of his scandalous characterization. Should anyone listen to King Charles when it comes to so-called man-made climate change? Well, let's consider. According to the terms laid down by his son, Prince Philip, the husband of Queen Elizabeth, would also be numbered among the syndicated skeptics. Because in 2018, Prince Philip wrote to congratulate Ian Plummer on his book, The Climate Change Delusion. So it seems that father and son clashed on wind farms as well. In 2011, a wind farm developer reported that Prince Philip, again, the husband, the former husband of the former Queen of England, told him that wind farms were useless, completely reliant on subsidies. That is, Prince Philip told his son, Prince Charles, that wind farms were totally useless. And an absolute disgrace, he said. In Prince Charles' movie, Harmony, A New Way of Looking at the World, he spoke of wind energy, working with nature's freely given forms, and the need to end our dependence on fossil fuels. In the film's opening sequence, showing a wind turbine in a meadow, Charles said, time is running out. Time is running out. Indeed, time has run out, it seems, for now King Charles III's forecasts of climate apocalypse. 
You may remember in March of 2009, then Prince Charles warned that only 100 months remained to avert irretrievable climate collapse. Irretrievable climate collapse. Well, that forecast expired in 2017. That would be six years ago with no climate collapse. In 2015, that 100-month deadline was stretched to 35 years. A 2021 paper on extreme climate forecasts tabulates 79 predictions of climate-caused catastrophe dating back to the first Earth Day in 1970. 79 predictions of climate-caused catastrophe. But Prince Charles, now King Charles, has the distinction of being the only individual to be featured three times with separate predictions of climate apocalypse. Prince Charles has warned repeatedly of irretrievable ecosystem collapse if actions are not taken. Their predictions have repeatedly been apocalyptic and highly certain, and so far have certainly been wrong. So I want to be the viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And we're going to take a look, a deeper look, at this matter of the climate and where it fits in the greater picture of, dare we say, biblical prophecy. And so I hope you'll stay tuned. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction. There are two articles that have come out, one from the World Tribune, And we'll share that one first. Data from satellite shows no global warming for more than eight years. There's been no increase in global temperatures from July 15th to March 2023, according to satellite readings, according to a recent analysis. This fact-based claim draws on satellite readings from the University of Alabama in Huntsville that measure temperatures in the troposphere, which is a much more accurate method of keeping score than the shoddy records produced by ground-based weather stations. The entire data set for 44 years and four months since December of 1978 says uh, the... Head of this study, a British consultant policy advisor, Christopher Mockton, shows a less than terrifying long run warming rate equivalent to 1.3 degrees per century, of which 0.3 degrees have already occurred, leaving a single degree to go on the current trend until 2100. For over a third of a century, since 1990, the International Group on Climate Change said global warming is proving to be slower, so slower than 0.3 degrees per decade that had been confidently predicted and is still being predicted today. So, In other words, 
if you measure global warming, whatever that might be, from the troposphere rather than ground-based systems, weather stations, you get a very different picture. You get a very different picture at all, uh, totally, that whatever global warming there was, was relatively incidental and has not been following the trajectory that had been warned against nowhere near. So what would be the implications of this and all of the expense that might be required to implement the so-called environmental changes as called for by King Charles III and by Joe Biden? We'll find out in just a moment. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Today we're talking about the apocalyptic view of climate change. Now, when we use the word apocalyptic in this sense, it really doesn't have anything to do whatsoever with the real meaning of the word apocalyptic. The real meaning of the word apocalyptic means a revelation. A revelation, like the book of Revelation is called the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unfolding, the unveiling. And so my book, Messiah, is called Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, Unveiling Apocalypse. Unfortunately, the word apocalypse has been picked up in pop culture to refer to horrible things, whatever they might be, horrible things. Now, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ is not a horrible thing. That was a glorious thing. So you can see how the mere culturization of the word apocalypse has actually reversed its meaning so that people think of the word apocalypse uh, as something horrifying, terrifying, when in fact it referred to the unveiling appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, that having been said, and without making uh, too much more of that fact, we take a look at the implications of this latest revelation concerning the satellite study of so-called global warming and its implications financially and in real time in our world and yes, in America. And so, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy had a hearing. He began asking Dr. Robert Litterman, the chairman of the Climate-Related Market Risk Subcommittee of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, 
how long he had been studying the climate question. He answered 15 years. The next one that was interviewed was Dr. Douglas Holtz Eakin, president of the American Action Forum. He said he had been studying climate for 25 years. So, Senator Kennedy asked Dr. Litterman, how much will it cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? Litterman answered, I don't know, sir. So Senator Kennedy responded by saying, so you're advocating that we do these things, but you don't know the ultimate cost? Litterman said, Yes, that's true. Absolutely. I, I certainly don't know the ultimate cost, and it's very uncertain. It depends on innovations. It depends on... So Senator Kennedy asked him, well, I, I'm just trying to lay a foundation here to understand your expert testimony. So, Dr. Holtz, uh, do you know how much it will cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? He responded, well, it depends how you do it. If we do it all with the federal budget... Senator Kennedy said, public and private dollars. It's ultimately private dollars anyway. So he said, how much? So Holtz Eakin responded, you're going to look at $50 trillion. $50 trillion, Senator Kennedy said. Yes, $50 trillion. So as the conversation went on in the hearing, we have Senator Kennedy picking up on this again. If we spend $50 trillion to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050, how much will that lower world temperatures? To which Holt Eakin responded, I can't say, because I don't know what China and India and the rest of the world has done. So Kennedy responded, have you heard anybody from the Biden administration say how much it would lower world temperatures? Answer, no. So Kennedy asked, does anybody know how much it will lower world temperatures? Answer, no. No one can know for sure, said Holtzikin. So Senator Kennedy said, okay, Dr. Litterman, if we spend $50 trillion or however much it takes to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050, how much will it lower world temperatures? So Litterman responded, well, Senator, it depends on the rest of the world. So Kennedy said, but what if we spend $50 trillion? Europe cooperates, most Western democracies cooperate, but India and China don't. How much will $50 trillion world lower world temperatures? Litterman said, we're in this together, Senator. We have to get the world to work together. So as the thing went on, Using the Holtz-Eakin estimate of $50 trillion cost of U.S. net zero at a starting point implies that the cost of global net zero would be $400 trillion. $400 trillion. So in that event, it was concluded that each $1 billion that was spent on the futile attempt to attain net zero emissions would prevent approximately one ten millionth of a degree of global warming. 
one ten millionth of a degree of global warming. In other words, almost unmeasurable. The worst value for money in world history. Now, that being the case, what's going on here? How can we understand, better understand, all of the agonizing screams, almost as if we're on the pit, hovering over the pit of the pit of hell because of the environmental apocalypse? It used to be called global cooling. In the early 1970s, all of the warnings were about global cooling, and we were advancing into an ice age. Maybe you don't remember that. Then, about uh, 15, 20 years ago, it shifted to global warming. Then, about 10 years later, when it could not be established that there was ongoing global warming, then they shifted to climate change. So no matter which way it went, they would have an argument. Of course the climate is always changing, always has, and always will. The only thing that doesn't change is God. He changes not. So why is it then that these folk want to deify the environment? Worship Mother Earth while dismissing Father God. Can I give you a very simple answer to that question? It's a battle for the souls of men. So it's not man's, but Earth's destiny that now drives the pseudo-religious passions of the planet. When Earth Day started in 1970, few people would have expected it to become a globally observed religious holiday with its own Ten Commandments, including use less water, save electricity, reduce, reuse, recycle, and spread the word. So... Robert Nelson, professor of environmental policy at the University of Maryland, made this statement, environmentalism has become a primitive religion. Are you listening? A primitive religion. He said, it's no mere coincidence. Remember, he's an environmental professor. He said, it's no mere coincidence that Contemporary environmental prophecies virtually echo the same set of calamities warned by God in the book of Deuteronomy for the worship of other gods. Now they're warning of the earth rising, seas, famine, drought, pestilence, hurricanes, and other natural disasters. And even without realizing it, the professor wrote, environmentalism is recasting ancient biblical messages to a new secular vocabulary. So it's all about not putting God first, but putting earth first. So it seems that the Endangered Species Act is like the new Noah's Ark of planetary salvation. Each day is the new Easter. Environmental religion is a deceptive disguise, and therefore it becomes attractive to those resistant to formal theologies and institutional Christianity. It draws, interestingly, 
and welcomes what you might call nominal Jewish and Christian people and nations who think of themselves as spiritual while vigorously rejecting any suggestion they should ever belong to a religion. So, what we're looking at here is the merger of environmentalism and the pursuit of a new world order. Globalism, a global government, the rebuilding of the ancient Tower of Babel spiritually, it's amazing. It is utterly amazing when we look at this clearly. And so to help us understand this, I uh, wrote a chapter in my latest book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Now, you may think that talking about the environment has nothing to do with the Messiah. Oh, it has everything to do with Messiah. It's a false Messiah. And that's why people are being drawn into it. They've rejected the true Messiah. They have rejected the Bible as authoritative and now are embracing a counterfeit religious system, environmentalism. Just as the environmental professor actually testified. So, I urge you to get a copy of the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. By the way, that's just one chapter. When you read this book, it's going to be eye-opening, hopefully heart-opening. You're going to see the competitors out there. You see, the previous book was Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. But how would you identify the coming Messiah? You see, everybody is expecting some kind of a Messiah. They are. The majority of the world is looking for some sort of Messiah. But they're creating one. They're creating many Messiahs. And they're so attractive to people. They're drawing their attention. It's, there's, a, there's an inherent spirituality that is perceived in these various messianic movements, which includes environmentalism. The book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, is available on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879. Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Did you know that environmentalism is actually the cornerstone for the New World Order? I, I didn't make that up. That's a quote. That is a quote. The environmental crisis, the cornerstone for the new world order. And you were told, we were all told that this word new world order or global government was a conspiracy theory. Well, if it was a conspiracy theory, then why did the former president of Russia, Mikhail Gorbachev, declare it the cornerstone for the new world order? which he did. 
If we were to go back to Time Magazine, its cover story, April 28th, May 3rd, 2021. That would be just three or uh, two years ago. The headline on the cover is Climate is Everything. Climate is everything. Not God is everything. Not the Creator is everything. But climate is everything. So you have to ask yourself, well, what, is, what does everything mean? Is the word climate somewhat of a, a kind of a euphemistic alternative to the term Mother Earth? Or does it have even greater messianic import? Well, we want to take a look at that when we get back from this break. It is utterly fascinating, friends. The deification of the environment. The story of environmental salvation. The church of global warming. The re-deification of the earth. Wow. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. If climate is truly everything, then environmentalism has become the new gospel of planetary salvation. Indeed, it has. It's very seductive. It has a spiritual kind of uh, glue to it to bind humanity in a fear-induced unity. So it's seducing mankind all over the world in a unified worship of creation, kind of like pursuing a resurrected Garden of Eden, like a, a utopia to be achieved by a new world order and global government. So, let's see where the depths of this lay. It wasn't just in the formation of Earth Day in 1970. Let's leap forward 20 years to 1990. In 1990, which was uh, the year that the communist president of the former Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, won the Nobel Peace Prize, for his work supposedly on breaking up communism. But in 1992, 1992-93 are two very big years for me because it was in 1992 that the Lord spoke to my heart, son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough as a trial attorney. I want you to plead my cause in the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour, here are the near edge of the second coming. I said, yes, sir. And we formed Save America Ministries in 1993. So 
the whole world and the United States of America were turning on its axis right then in 92 and 93. Listen to what happened in 1992. As Mikhail Gorbachev, the former president of the Soviet Union, came to the United States to establish what he called the International Foundation for Socio-Economic and Political Studies, better known as the Gorbachev Foundation. So he was headquartered at the former U.S. military base in the Presidio in San Francisco. By the way, that's where my brother, one of my brothers, actually studied Vietnamese uh, for the Vietnam War at the Presidio. In any event, uh, the Gorbachev Foundation was formed. It was housed there in the Presidio in in San Francisco. And he began to systematically unveil his own blueprint for a world government. And that it would be guided by saving the planet from environmental catastrophe. That's how he framed it. So, mirroring this quest for a new spirituality, Mikhail Gorbachev's website opened with these words. We need a new system of values, system of the organic unity between mankind and nature, and the ethic of global responsibility. It was like he were a New Age Leninist, so to speak, speaking to replace Christianity with a new religious order in which humanism, which, by the way, is central to communism, and pantheism, central to European mysticism, were all laced with Christianized terminology and combined to unify the planet for the greater goal of a new world order. So here's what he said. Are you listening? He said the environmental crisis is the cornerstone for the new world order. That's exactly what Prince Charles III, now known as King Charles III, believes, and he is a dangerous man. Sorry to put it so bluntly. I'm not convinced he believed a single word of what was said during the highly religious and formalistic, ritualistic coronation. He is dedicated to the salvation of the world through environmentalism. He's not dedicated to the worship of Christ. Never has been. It's all a facade, a facade of faith. The real faith is in unifying the world through environmentalism. So, there was a document that was put together by Mikhail Gorbachev called the Earth Charter. I have it in my files. Maurice Strong was the UN's top environmental activist, and he referred to the charter as, quote, a Magna Carta for Earth, unquote. What was the Magna Carta? That was back in 2015, excuse me, that was back in 1215 A.D., King John at Runnymede. You remember, if you remember anything from your world history classes, it was a great historic document, the Magna Carta. Well, 
Maurice Strong said, oh, we've got a new Magna Carta now, the Earth Charter. In fact, Mikhail Gorbachev even went further describing this charter as a new set of rules to guide humanity. In fact, it seems pretty blasphemous to me, but he said, my hope is that this charter will be a kind of Ten Commandments, a Sermon on the Mount that provides a guide for human behavior toward the environment in the next century and beyond. Wow. Now, under the banner of environmentalism, the saving the world, came a word that has now been used almost everywhere. You listen to your television and many of the ads contain this word, sustainability or sustain, sustaining sustainability. It is a buzzword to identify them and you, if you buy into it, with this new quasi-religious order. In 2015, at the Paris Climate Agreement, special ceremony there at the United Nations, the heads of 191 nations pledged their allegiance to its blueprint for global governance in the name of controlling the climate. It was a reboot of the so-called Agenda 21 that was adopted at Rio de Janeiro in 1992 and now was set for final global implementation by guess what year? 2030. Under the banner of 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Now what else do you think is headed for 2030, my friends? Well, have you heard about the Great Reset? When is that set to be implemented in its final form? 2030. Have you heard about Agenda 2030 coming out of the United Nations? There it is. How far from now is 2030? Six and a half years? About. Are you beginning to see the panoply of this, the time why, uh, the time relationships here, and how rapidly these things are moving inexorably toward their attempted fulfillment? Now, let's consider U.S. President Obama and then Pope Francis. They joined hearts and voices for the United Nations adoption of the 2030 Agenda. When Pope Francis spoke to the United Nations on uh, September 25, 2015, his speech served as the opening address to the 2030 Agenda Summit. The Pope. And the Secretary General, Ban Ki-moon, referenced the papal encyclical on climate change called Laudato Si, translated as praise be to you written by the Pope, about global globalism, about climate change, about unifying the world through this environmental deification. Seven years earlier, then Prince Charles of Wales 
warned that nations are at a defining moment in the world's history. So he delivered his most impassioned and urgent plea for the world to unite to tackle global warming. He told 200 business leaders that the world has, quote, less than 100 months, unquote, to save the planet, declaring, quote, we are all fighting for humanity, but we have less than 100 months before we risk catastrophic climate change, unquote. U.S. President Barack Obama, just nine months after Prince Charles warned that in Rio de Janeiro in 2009, just nine months later, uh, Barack Obama addressed the Copenhagen Climate Summit Conference declaring, we are running out of time, unquote. Running out of time for what? That's the real question. Running out of time for what? Now, we're discovering, as we discovered today, as we launched the program, that this whole idea of global cooling, then global warning, warming, is now recycling itself back to not so warming, and that the so-called apocalyptic or horrendous results that are being promised or threatened to humankind as a result of it are nonsense. They're creating, friends, a new threat of a new hell that you must escape, and the only way to escape it is to join the church of climate change. The religion of environmentalism. You have to join it. Otherwise, you cannot be saved. In fact, failing to do so is the unpardonable sin. Consigning the unbelieving to planetary perdition, from which there is no redemption. That is really how this is sold and marketed, and people are buying into it hook, line, and sinker. Are you? We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Follow the science, we're told. But what is science anyway? For the secular mind, scientism has become the new spirituality. 
It's a belief system that supplanted a creator with an ever-evolving Mother Earth or nature. So the creation or creature or creation has evolved into a modern idol to be worshipped, just as the scripture said was going to take place. Romans chapter 1. In 2021, New York Times columnist said Democrats have only one year to save the planet. Could be the turning point, they said, to curb the worst effects of a climate barreling toward catastrophe. Then, Biden's new environmental czar, John Kerry, claimed that the world had only nine more years to avert the worst consequences of the climate crisis. So, the divinely declared limit for scientific salvation, one year or nine. Well, just three years earlier, scientists warned we had 12 years to escape environmental hell. But then in 1992, at the Rio Climate Summit, we were told we had 10 years to get global warming under control. So which is it? Now it's destined for 2030. So, in order to understand the depth and, and, and scope of this environmental deification, friends, as a messianic movement, which, is it, which it is, this is the messianic hour, religious fervor for this is history's messianic hour, and it is being driven as a salvation message, an alternative salvation message, away from eternal salvation and focused on temporal salvation of the planet. Forget the people that God created in his image. It's all about Mother Earth. Then, in 2009, you may recall former U.S. Vice President Al Gore, on July 7, 2009, he was addressing in Oxford, England, the Smith School World Forum on enterprise and the environment. And here's what he told the U.K. Times. I bring you good news from the U.S., said Gore. Why? He declared that the Congressional Climate Bill will help bring about global governance. What congressional climate bill was he talking about? Well, you may recall the U.S. Clinton-Gore administration. The plans for all of this were submitted under the U.S. Clinton-Gore administration, both of which were consummate globalists. So now we have a situation where environmentalism has become a counterfeit faith with a counterfeit Messiah. And you, by the way, become the Messiah because you and you only can bring about salvation. You don't need God He's dismissed. What you need is 
you being sold out to Lucifer's long-declared intent to be equal with the Creator. It's a not-so-subtle shift, really. Now, does climate matter? Of course climate matters. Many people go to the Internet now each day to find out what the uh, weather is going to be. Why? Because climate matters. It matters how we're going to conduct ourselves that day, hourly. You can sometimes get hourly uh, weather reports. You can get uh, 10-day weather reports. They're not always accurate, but they help. So climate matters. Indeed, it does. But to think the hubris that it takes to think that humankind can control the climate is beyond comprehension. So the reality is we have thought so highly of ourselves now, rather than thinking about God, we think of ourselves as pseudo-gods. So the emerging reality is that environmentalism has become a pseudo-scientific messianic movement using, a for a greater globalization goal, dismissing the creator and usurping all power and glory for the created man, thus fulfilling Satan's long-declared intent to be equal with the creator. It's about pride. This is very big. And you can see why Jesus would say that the deception that was coming in these end times would be so great. Can you see how people are deceived by this? They actually think that they're doing something good to be sold out to the salvation of the climate when they have no power over the climate. And science itself has to admit that. But it's an artificial salvation message. That's what it's about, and it's laying the foundation for unifying the world, not around the salvation of humankind by Jesus Christ, but unifying the world in a counterfeit unity movement. So, when warming began to wane, the politically needful engines of environmentalism had to be fed to enforce global fear of impending doom. Unless, of course, a new world order could be reached by 2030 to save us by means of elitist human messiahs. And if you think that this is over notwithstanding all of the facts that are proving that global warming is not happening the way it has been said to happen, and when it did happen, it wasn't to the extent anywhere near what was being said, and the projections were outlandish. But they were used to drive fear. That means you and I are placed in a, an interesting choice 
dilemma. What are we going to trust? Are you going to join the Church of Global Warming, where science becomes religious, demanding belief in its theories as dogma and its prognostications as prophecy, actually becoming a new faith system? Is this what is going to command your attention, your allegiance, your hope? I hope not. Because if it is, and you have absolutely no control over it, no does anyone else, and the supposed agenda to reach this uh, neutrality to achieve environmental stabilization would be so expensive as to bankrupt the whole world. And still, they would not be able to do it. Ian Plymer is a geologist and professor at Adelaide University in Australia. He challenged the new scientific claims of man-made climate change, which he called the current environmental orthodoxy of a new religion. In fact, he made clear that the religious fundamentalism of this movement, actually he described it in the newspaper, the Vancouver Sun, on July 28, 2009. Here's what he said. Purging humankind of its supposed sins of environmental degradation has become a religion with fanatical and often intolerant priesthood, especially among first world urban elites. Anthropogenic global warming is little more than a trick of the public perpetuated by environmental fundamentalists and callously adopted by politicians who love nothing more than an issue that causes public anxiety. The dynamic and changing character of the Earth's climate has always been known by geologists. These changes are cyclical and random. They are not caused or significantly affected by human behavior. And yet, a few years after the initial Earth Summit, the UN-funded Commission on Global Governance unveiled its official plan for implementing the One World Agenda called the World Conference on Global Governance. And out of that has come now a 193-member United Nations General Assembly formally adopting the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. It's all about uniting the world, not for honor God, but actually in hubris against God. You and I, made in the image of God, were called like Adam to do, uh, to be stewards of the earth. There's no question about that. But how far does that go in replacing the God of creation? That's where the deception comes in. Why is humanity falling for this deception? The answer is very simple. The majority of people, even professing Christians, have rejected the truth of God for a lie. They're seeking to liberate themselves from a moral God and his holy commandments. Most of the earth's inhabitants have embraced humanism or pantheism as their worldview, and that's inevitably resulting in the direct 
or indirect worship of man or nature. And if you look back in history, whatever man chose to worship himself or the pagan deities of nature in place of God, the consequences were severe. Unfortunately, most leaders of today's environmental movement hold a similar and equally militant worldview. Like the pharaohs, the Caesars of Rome, the Brahmins of India. According to this new view, those who believe in a personal creator, refuse, refusing to make creation their God, are a threat to nature and must be eliminated. Only enlightened man can evolve to a higher spiritual state, taking the so-called quantum leap into godhood and the new Aquarian age. In pursuing this goal, New Agers falsely believe they are saving themselves and the planet. If only people would apply God's wisdom, they could avoid Satan's deception and the resulting consequences. And those consequences are on top of us, friends. Literally on top of us. The 193-member United Nations General Assembly formally adopted the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development in 2015, and we have six and a half years until that is deemed to be the end of the road. Where are you going to put your trust? It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. Better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in godless scientists, my friend. Our test is over our trust. Thanks for joining us. I urge you to get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. The lengthy chapter on environmental deification will open your eyes. We barely scratch the surface, friends. And there's so much else in this book. I can almost guarantee you've never read another book like it. Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, Messiah. $22 on our website. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. God bless. Be a blessing. Remember, Jesus is coming soon. Let's get prepared. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.